Welcome to the Dental Amigos podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery, and I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be back, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul, and welcome to another episode of the Dental Amigos podcast. Paul, this is our first recording in, I've lost track, six, seven, eight months post-COVID. We've released some episodes that were uh, in the vault, so to speak, but uh, it's good to see you in person in our a new studio in our office. Yeah, it's great in here. Great setup. You know, we had a, a pandemic pause, a six days, six to eight months of our Zoom podcast, but in person, you know, we were going over a year. So this is great. Yeah, it's amazing. And as we were just saying before we, we started, you like go back and reflect of what we were doing, what you were doing in March of 2020, what your life was like in May of 2020, in the fall, in the winter. It's just, yeah. it feels like we've just gone through such a, a cycle and you think just how much has happened and how much has changed in less than a year and a half. It's it's amazing. I mean, it's more has happened in the last year and a half than has happened in the last 53 years of my life. And it's just yeah, amazing. Yeah, I, I feel like I've reframed my, my relationship with time. Some of it seems like yesterday, some of it seems like a lifetime ago. I feel like I'm going to need to to almost like go back and watch a lot of what happened in some sort of hist- historical review to remember, oh yeah, that was when I was just shut out of all Philadelphia. You know, I, uh, I was using the phrase a lot. Um, I didn't feel, you know, locked in. I just felt like everything was like locked out Philadelphia. It was like a movie set, right? You couldn't right. go in anywhere walking around. So it's nice to see the streets back moving again. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's good. I'm starting to feel the energy and, you know, the fact that we're starting to do things in person. I saw this past weekend that you had uh, a lot of dentists in the room for, yeah. for a CD. That was our first one that you were at the last one. You were there Febu- February of 2020. And 17 months later, I called it my happy place, not the, you know, Happy Gilmore, the movie. And uh, 17 months to not have any in-person see. But uh, to everyone's, I guess, credit, I felt like, you know, they used that expression, uh, like riding a bike again. It was nice just to be back. But it kind of made you remember why it's so important to see people face-to-face for so many reasons. Yeah, yeah, it's just the relationships and the, and the energy that you get from interacting with another human in person. And, you know, as great as Zoom was a substitute for a lot of things, it's, it's certainly not uh, not a permanent uh, substitute. Right, for and I, I mean, I think, you know, we, we probably, you can focus on other things when you're on Zoom, but when you're face-to-face, out of being polite to people, you kind of focus. And it had me learning better. Yeah. Just sitting there actually paying attention, not thinking of fiddling around below the Zoom screen. No one knows what you're doing. You're right. texting your, someone, you're ordering something from open, you know, from uh, online, so. Right, right. You have to be present and just be in contact with people. And, you know, we, you and I are, are similar in this regard. I think it's just you get energy off of being with people and teaching yeah. and communicating and uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's refreshing and it gives me more energy to, to, to have those interactions again. And yeah. we have our people back in the office, our lawyers and our paralegals and our support staff. And, you know, unlike dentists who you guys had your team right. in place, albeit it was, it was wacky, I, I know, yeah. uh, but we were all remote. It's a good point, Dennis, for you. Dennis, you could go to your office and feel some sense of normalcy with stress intensity, but you were seeing people face to face. So I forget other jobs. I mean, we could, well, as we'll talk about it, there's value to having 
the ability to work remote and there's challenges to that. So going back to the dental office at the time was kind of this beacon of feeling I could see people, but with not exactly the fun ways, you know, people were wearing masks on top of their masks. We were wearing masks. Sure. So there was a lot of, of, of crazy rules that were put into dental offices. And we were sort of the uh, pioneers of a lot of this when things opened up. But relatively speaking, though, the dental office was a very normal place, yes. right? In the dental <laughs> chair was. I mean, that, we, we, were, we practiced our whole lives with the dental chair, uh, you know, inside of our operatories. But, you know, what I thought was, was funny, we have a lot of friends here in Philly. You know, we had people waiting in their cars. What do people do uh, in Philadelphia? They just wait on the street inside of a big building. I'm waiting for my implant to go up and see Dr. Todd Fleischman. <laughs> right. So, you know, that was really a... Uh, we talk a lot about systems and processes and offices, and I give my office team a lot of credit because just to manage all those new processes of moving people through a dental practice was really truly nacho nuts. Yeah, well, it's it's really you see the the people on your on your team that have the mindset that can can change and, right. and adapt, and um, that really uh, it really pays off when your systems get stressed and right. and challenged, and um, just like anything, if you're prepared, you will survive and if you're not you're gonna be in for some trouble yeah i think we can probably relate i can share this as a practice owner it's like we've been in philadelphia all these years and you're like can i park here and usually when you feel that you shouldn't park there right <laughs> like you're just trying to convince yourself and they kind of just totally upended our thoughts you know like we didn't have any waiting room chairs for a while our waiting room chairs are back you know right so it was you know it's just like uh like you were saying it's hard to remember a lot of things throughout this time of how it just just blew up your your system, but your teams that could adapt to it really, you know, I, I give mine a lot of compliments because it was not easy to manage all the new rules that came into place. Yeah, yeah, and and the changing rules, it was, right. uh, it wasn't even like the new rules and here they are and let's move well, on. It I want to say something. The, the, the rule of the week. Because right? I only play golf like once a year with you, but this was the first time I think I played golf where you could putt with the flagstick in right. after 19 years of not doing it. It's way better that way. It, it made us play so much faster because my friends, I don't want to say they stink at golf, right? So like them being able to putt with the flagstick in, they could get it closer. So I'm just saying that's kind of a funny example of how I played golf my whole life. It was a penalty to do this. Now they just changed the rules. That's what you're now? supposed to do, right? right. So right. that yeah. rule may have been coming out pre-COVID, yeah. but it went to another extreme where it's like I played some courses where the the ball didn't even drop down in the cup. There was like this little half oh, yeah, cup right. that it just yeah, like yeah, stayed yeah. there. That as we talk about sort of the cycle of what was happening at different times when you know people were afraid of contact. That you know, thought you could catch COVID by right. touching a golf ball outside, and now it's like, well, that's that, bonkers, that made but, people. You know, so it was kind of like they say you can't get poison ivy in a pool, but they kind of made you think you could, right? So it's like you know you're wiping down packages while you're wiping down packages. Like, am I supposed to be doing this? Everyone else is doing yeah. it, so yeah, you yeah. should be okay. I right? Think. <laughs> yeah, oh, really. So I'm glad to, glad to be back to get into some sort of normal nacho life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, really, we're going to talk about three kind of central themes today, Paul. Cool. Uh, we'll start talking about changes and pivots that you've made in your practice as a practice owner. And then uh, let's talk a little bit about some transition issues, what the, yeah. the, the dental practice transition world looks like at this stage of post-COVID. Uh, talk a little bit about what some of my predictions are just dead wrong, and I'm willing yeah. to uh, to admit that <laughs> on the record. And then let's talk a little bit about some trends and developments that we're seeing with uh, associate agreements, and some, especially from the associate side, um, sure. which has really kind of changed, or at least some of the changes that may have been in uh, in the works pre-COVID have now really manifested yeah. themselves post-COVID. So uh, and I think there's some, gonna be some good tidbits there for our younger dental associate audience to, to take away. So let's jump in. You know, what does Pennington Dental, 
look like now? What changes have you made to adopt to, I hate this word, but I'm going to say it, the new normal? Yeah. You know, in, or the, in the the answer, I mean, a couple of things I want to share is, you know, I played a lot of sports. If you were injured, or even if you couldn't play a sport that you were playing all the time for an extended period of time, you wouldn't expect to go back and play it the same way. So I think what's important to remember that we were basically shut down in New Jersey for eight weeks, except for emergencies, which is very unusual. I've been a dentist for 19 years. That's never happened, you know, other than planning two weeks off, which is much different. And so I think, you know, coming back to dentisting, as I call it, I think practice owners and dentists tend to overly judge themselves, thinking I got to get back to the way it used to be. But think about this, you know, we didn't have the same team coming back for so many reasons. Some of them just totally legitimate. You can't just leave small children at home by themselves. And most yeah. of the team members in the dental office, the reason why they're so nurturing, they happen to be moms a lot of times. Dads too, but you know, happy moms. So I think getting your team back to work. So one of the pivots we made was we just reduce the hours of our practice so we could just focus on operating the best we could in these hours. I've called them no dentistry after dark. So we operate from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. I know you've been a great resource for me as a friend and attorney, so we can't collude. We're not supposed to discuss fees, right? It's a whole different thing. We're not supposed to collude. I don't know what that really means, but I wish we could collude over hours. So if dentists could all just say, we're all working nine to four, then patients would have to come at that time. So we have, we've, we've managed our hours differently just to get people, um, you know, could wrap their minds around, okay, I'm going to get here at 8.15. We're going to leave at 4.15. I might have to take care of family at the end. So that's been one of our major pivots for our practice because we used to try to have one night we work until seven, we might have a Saturday. So we've just tried to streamline our hours as one of them. Well, with people working from home, you know, it's easier yes, yes. for them to duck out uh, from, yes. you know, air quote work for a I think couple of hours actually, and go to the dental office instead of having to schedule it before or after work hours. But it's, it's a funny thing you said. So um. You know, I like all the kindness stuff, Gary V, try to do it with dental nachos, but I always say it's kind of still cool to be mean to your dentist because what I say this is people, we walk into rooms and people say, I just want to let you know, I hate going to the dentist. I go, I just want to let you know, you don't have to say that out loud, right? But it's kept in your head. You don't have to say it, right? So, but what has happened over COVID and we kind of, the shoe was on their foot, people were saying, this is my only outing of the day. So I go, oh, now we've become the place to be, right? right so I think right. it was funny. We have all these, you know, 50 year old to 80 year old saying, this is the only place I have to go. Yeah, so. people just hanging out on the sidewalk, you know, helping themselves to the cappuccino machine, Paul. I'm yes, like, yeah. I'm hanging out at my dental Yeah, yeah, office. you could stay here, you meet people. And it's I like think- like the old barbershop has become- Exactly, the people are meeting now. people. And uh, uh, I think we found out it's better because no one really wants to go to a dental appointment at 6 p.m. So I think, you know, people operating, you know, you're doing these full contact arts and crafts procedures on that are challenging. So I think that's been a plus, a pivot plus for us is just kind of saying, hey, we don't have to be everything to everybody. doesn't mean if offices are open at night, that's a problem, but just kind of redefining your mission for your own sanity a lot of times. And then sometimes it was just that these were only times people could work, right? To right. come in, you know, uh, 8.15 to 4.15 is a little easier to manage than one day till 7 p.m. So that's been one of our pivots. How uh, much do you, have you gotten any negative feedback from patients that want that seven o'clock appointment? Some, some we have, and we always say that there's so many great dentists out there that you could always uh, choose different one. But what usually happens is they find a way to get in during those mm -hmm. times. So sometimes it's just kind of managing that conflict in the moment and saying, do you really want to come and get your teeth clean at 7 p.m. anyway? They say no. But, but in that vein, what's, the dentist has also been kind of become one of the hottest tables in town because I was on the golf trip and a guy said to me, I can't, I had to cancel my dental appointment for a cleaning at my new dentist because I had a family emergency, legitimate reason. And they didn't give me another appointment for two months. And he was kind of mad. And I said, that's totally normal because my sense or my update, uh, which is not probably earth shattering, is that 
there's just more people that need dental care right now than available dental appointments. And as we get into transition themes, I'm sure small practices have closed, which they were going to maybe close anyway. We just don't have the, the team to do it. So it's interesting, but there is, especially in the hygiene side, a huge demand that we just can't meet. And many people think, oh, this is a great problem to have, but it really isn't. It causes a lot of intensity. Because I'm just sure, like we go, I was at Elvez last night. It's like if Elvez had a line of 100 people out the door, they wouldn't want that. Right. It would just cause a lot of weird stress. You well, know? well, let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, how are you adopting or adapting to uh, the, the challenges of uh, attracting and retaining dental assistants, hygienists, and other support staff? I mean, the job market now is just bonkers. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to survive. I mean, it's, it's created, we have, we have at least 50% new team members, which is a big challenge with your system because the, people say, train people with good attitudes. That's very good. But if they don't know how anything works in your office, it takes a while for them to get acclimated. Right. So, I mean, we just, uh, I, I don't want to bring up a sore subject, but our babysitter moved to San Diego. I'm not over it yet. And we're getting new ones who are just as great and just as friendly, but they don't know our systems in our house. So that's been trying to get team members that can do it. Mm -hmm. Then I think, you know, it's, it's fair to talk about this because it's going to be influenced even in the fall. Like COVID, still influences like this domino of like one person's home because of this then the mother has to be home then sometimes people can't come back to work then people are talking to your dental lawyer about what's our hr things how long can they be out for right. so while some of these acute issues have been are less they still like somebody being you know it's back to sports someone being on the two-week dl from your office you don't have a replacement for them so finding people to be dental assistants has been one of the biggest challenges followed by dental hygienist our front desk team members, one thing about front desk is you can train someone on the fly a little easier. So I think most of my friends, maybe your clients have seen, have they been reporting that finding team is hard? Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that finding team and then also finding associates, and we'll talk about that yeah. a little bit later, also in a little different context, but the, uh, the big practice groups, the DSOs are very good recruiters yeah. of of assistants and hygienists and and associates i mean they don't have this like magic you know right. bus of people that are driving around like hey let's, let's right. take yes. our team of hygienists and assistants and associates to this office i always find that funny that people have this perception that oh yes the dso's will just come in they'll buy right. this practice yeah, yeah. and they'll send their people in like they're right. jumping out yeah. of, like the helicopters and you know parachute into the practice and, like we're here yeah right like, exactly they, they have they have the same challenges that owner operators have but they are they have professional recruiters and a lot of these groups are paying uh hiring bonuses and yeah. and giving incentives to people that is frankly difficult and challenging for owner operators to uh to meet but i think it's important for uh people that own practices you know individual you know, owner operator dentists to realize that things are changing. And like yeah. you said, Paul, you know, uh, things probably will not go back to the way they used right, to be. Sure. So when people talk about, well, wow, this is what these hygienists are getting paid, or this is what these assistants are getting paid, you know, you may have to find yourself, uh, you know, adjusting your, your model way, yeah. to deal with the fact that that's what you're going to have to pay those people because you may have two options. You can complain about the fact that they're making too much money working for somebody else right and not have that dental assistant or that hygienist or figure out other ways to make your practice more efficient so that you can hire those people. And I mean, dentists like to resist reality all the time. I mean, I've used the Game of Thrones reference, you know, they're kind of like kings and queens of their castle. Some of this is good, some of it's not, but like, I played a lot of basketball, Rob. 
if you I've don't have if you don't have five guys, it's gonna be a problem or five mm-hmm. women. Right. So people are like, I don't want to pay the center thirty five dollars an hour. But I go, you know, the option is not to have a center. Right. That's worse over here. That's not so an just, option. Just right. Stop yeah. digging in your mentally and just right. win and move on. I mean, a lot of this if something win might be a strong word. Just move on. Right. Right. So if we talk about playoff sports. Right just win this quarter. I mean, I think one thing that I've talked, thought, I've always thought this way to a certain degree, but the pandemic has made me shocking. It's kind of thinking quarterly about your business. I mean, I know it's kind of like, you know, cliche to say, you know, big business, think of that way. But sometimes I'm just thinking about getting through Q3 and Q4. Doesn't have to affect Q1 of 2022. Right. You know, if I have a team member who's gonna be with me, I think Dennis will all say this, you know, if someone said to you, I'm gonna start today and I can work here for six months and I'll contribute, great. We would not have said that before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd work with people who are associates and they don't want to hire someone if they're not going to buy in six years from now. And right. I say, how about you just work for this one year associate contract? So I think it's, in some ways, it's made the dental field a little more up to date and a little more mentally flexible and how you should be able to, you know, I'm a big fan of this. You know, you have systems, you have a hygienist. If she works with you or he works with you for six months, that might be great. You know, it's kind of um, de- decrease some of this my team member has to be with me for a decade. Right. But then it also, the other thing is it's just, it's very exhausting to onboard new people all the time. Well, and I, I think it's probably even more exhausting and more challenging if you don't have systems in place. Right. If you have to recreate the, the wheel, reinvent the wheel every time you hire somebody, and then that is exhausting. Yeah. But if you do have good systems in place and people know what their roles are, they're well-defined, they're set out, then they know what they're coming in, what they have to do. Everybody knows, yeah. everybody else knows what they're supposed to do. I could see that that kind of works. But yeah, if you're just doing this on an ad hoc basis, good luck. I mean, it's a, it's a good point when we're talking about associates, but your awesome team member just helped us with our newest associate contract. And this was our first week. And first thing she said was, well, my other job doesn't have all these systems. And I said, well, we do this for our sanity. My brother does a great job with it. So it's a great compliment and I'll take the compliment, but it's more about explaining why we do this so we try to stay sane running our practice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more about sanity than productivity, more about sanity than profitability. Because if you don't have a, a, a an onboarding manual for this job and the person who did that job just leaves, you now have to, like you said, reinvent the wheel mm-hmm. while you're flying the plane, while you're doing right. the work. Right. You know? So that you know, you you mentioned the good point about the corporate groups. They have a person who's paying attention to hiring. It's as simple right. as that. At our offices, we have an office manager who's awesome. We have my brother, we have me, but we don't have this other job that does this. So that's why they really have a leg up just because they have a person paying attention to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that, and there's a system in place for that person to do that job. I think the other thing too, you know, that we're seeing is, uh, and we could talk about this probably in all three of the topics, but is, you know, what people and practice owners need to do to try to think about attracting and recruiting associates and talent. Right. And I think that they, yeah, I, I tell clients, I, I think you need to be more creative than you used to be. I mean, it used to be that you would put your your ad up on whatever yeah. job site and the dentists and the hygienists and the assistants would apply and you would take your pick. Now I think you have to be you know, more creative. You might want to think about doing videos. And oh, for sure. We talk about that. I'm doing that tonight. I mean, we have Dennis Job Connect, one of our uh, spinoffs of Dental Nachos, and it's the attention without a marketing, we're getting more and more requests daily. And I just say, we want to be part of your solution because if you want to be in shape, you don't just go to one gym, you eat well, you try to sleep right, you try to do these things. So I tell these these practice owners, you know, when you're so right, it's about being proactive instead of reactive. So right, right. now we're basically reacting to, I don't have a babysitter for Saturday night and I'm, I'm going to my granddaughter's wedding. So I have a huge issue. I don't have an associate for next week. And a lot of times we say, 
we will do everything we do, but we're not magicians. How right. about being proactive? And I think what people could take, learn from, you do have a great lecture a few years ago about DSOs, gorillas, things like that. Why don't you learn from <laughs> other people? gorillas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are probably wondering, what was that the presentation? gorilla in the room, yeah. But what you can <laughs> learn from other people is, you know, I want to build this and, and, and I, I have, you know, interested in, in making it happen is you want to constantly be paying attention to where you can get people to help you in your business, even when you don't need them because you want to be recruiting new talent, interacting with new talent, knowing people are available. And I think, you know, using a sports store, people have got caught flat-footed. Yeah. I mean, some there's a lot of good reasons why people aren't working right now. I mean, if an associate who has two children and the husband or the wife, whatever it is, works, they may have to take this decision and not work right now. Right. They might work in three months, but then, you know, people call us up and say, my associate's has to has to leave can you find me someone i think people even rob you know me for many years i think they think i have this like magical stable of people and i said come on out and go to <laughs> delaware go come on out and go to yeah, Hawkins. That there's there's a <laughs> floor in the house at the yeah, Goodman yeah. house yeah they hang out they drink coffee like and they the, say we need you right yeah. like what was it the mtv real <laughs> yes, real world yeah, yeah. mtv there's like there's like 20 dentists they're just kind of hanging out there waiting for for paul to come upstairs i'm like hey you're, and I, I got a job for you yeah and i say you know okay and i also i mean this is just about our industry being so oregon trail-esque i know my, hopefully our, our podcast runner gets that reference or I don't know, but like we're so behind the times in so many ways. You see this licensing in our industry is a major problem and the pandemic has exposed it because if somebody says, hey, I can, I live in, in Center City, Philadelphia and I, and someone needs an associate in Cherry Hill, but I don't happen to have a New Jersey license. Well, there's, that's no good. You're, yeah. you're three months behind. I mean, these government organizations, they've got not gotten quicker during the pandemic. Oh, no. So, so, I mean, you deal with this daily, whether it's with practice owners or, or associates, the credentialing and licensing and DEAing stuff just throws a whole monkey wrench into this. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And look, I think just back to something you said a few minutes ago, you know, people were caught flat footed. I think, you know, again, we're probably, we've said this a couple of times, we'll probably say it a couple more times in the course of this, uh, the show today is you know, things are not going to go back to the way they were. Right. You know, and that we know that what it's going to look like and, and how similar it is it remains to be seen. But uh, if you haven't made these changes to your practice or thought about making changes to adjust to the way things are now, you're going to find yourself farther and farther behind or e even worse in some respects, just more and more stressed or, yeah. as you say, aggravated, you know, yeah, and, and, I and that's not sustainable. Time. You can kind of power through anything for right. a year or so, but not for a decade. You know, for and, sure. and then it just becomes this like self-inflicted torture. And that's why the other point you asked us is that we've, we've reduced our reliance on dental insurance, which is something I've been trying to do for years, but the pandemic has been a great reason for yeah. it. Tell us about that. Because so more specifically, what, I mean, what have you done? I don't think dentists have ever, you know, we've talked at uh, length about how we don't get any business training, but we don't get like the simplest of math training of how our business works. So at a regular restaurant, they charge everyone the same price, right? We go to Alves. The Elvez guac is the same for Rob and Paul and everyone else. In a dental office, that Elvez guac, if you take insurance, might be $15 for one and $8 for another. The pandemic has created an opportunity for us to do all $15 guacs, which helps everybody. Because why would we waste a spot on people paying half as much? Right. And I think it's hopefully, it's my relationship with insurance is this. Hey, Rob, your dental insurance is like a coupon. We're going to do our best job to use your coupon. The cost is $100. Your dental insurance coupon is going to contribute something. We'll let you know that it is, but expect the cost to be $100. We had Dr. Todd Fleischman on the show. He bought a practice. That's the way his practice has run forever. He was set up for all of this. That would, he, I'm enhancing our practice. We were mainly fee-for-service, 
But some of our insurance contracts, we just couldn't take these 30 or 40% reductions. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, I guess because we are the hottest table in town, more patients are staying because they're like, I'm not trying to find a new dentist during a pandemic. Right. And we kind of shown them that it's a little silly to leave your healthcare provider over like $200 right. because you just went to a restaurant and spent more than that on a meal. And sometimes if I know the patient, I bring that up in a kindly annoying way. I go, you could leave us and go to, go to where your insurance covers your cleaning. But that's gonna be a lot of hassle for 200 bucks, you know, Bill. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I do it in a very supportive way if people want to do that. So that has really been a morale boost. I talk about money and morale, and I'm, I'm focused on a morale. You know, it's okay if we take a pause with to, um, maximum profitability. So that's another been another great part of it. Yeah, interesting. And now, uh, how about technology, Paul? What have you done to oh, I mean, leverage that? Well, think about like, you know, if you had to go get tax, I said tax the other day, I said, I mean, just like, Uber's been a big thing. Lyft's been a big thing. We're used to it. If Uber? You, Uber, yeah, right. I, you know, I, I did take an Uber probably you know, like, like a month ago, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe how expensive it was. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like 3X. Over yeah, well, was. because their drivers aren't out as much, but we've gotten used to being able to call up a car on our phone. Dentistry's creating services like this. One of it is remote team members. One of our great Nacho sponsors is doing this. We're testing this out because your team is exhausted. At the end. We, dentistry needs two shifts, Rob, and this is, this is a great point. I hope our listeners get this. You have the game day shift, right? Where you're doing the work, answering the phone, dealing with people. But then everyone goes home and stuff continues from 4.15 to midnight, right? Answering machine, emails. So if we have this remote team member following up on phone calls, checking in on insurance claims. So I'm excited to test this out because I'm leveraging this technology of somebody basically being able to work for you from 1 to 9 p.m. with all of your admin stuff. And they're someone you can train, and they're a real team members. So that's one thing that we've done. That's interesting. Now, now, I mean, how do you kind of get past sort of what the typical rea initial reaction would be to that, which is I'm just adding by adding this person, I'm just adding payroll, I'm adding overhead. You know, what do you see as the ROI? Paul, I see the that? ROI as this is. I've used this example many times with my dental office, my nacho team. People get it. You go to somebody's house, and they have a party for you and they make the food, and they make the drinks, and they never have any time to spend with you. And they run around the entire time mm. refilling drinks, and they don't get that moment with you, and the whole thing's messed up. Because you yeah, leave your house, they do it. So I went to people's houses, and I thought they were these, these obnoxious rich people when they had caterers, but now I get it. They yeah. weren't obnoxious rich people. They just said, we're having this graduation party. We're not professional caterers. We need to talk to all these guests that came. So this is set up at a wedding, because everyone does this for a wedding. So back right. to my office, me doing this allows my core team members, the office manager, the hygienist, the dentist, to focus on the people in the office and get them to have the best experience, which is what they have. Not right. chasing down a random EOB, or right, uh -huh. explanation of benefits, not following up on like 15 messages from newish patients that may or may not come. So you can kind of outsource your annoyance to people who want to do it. And I'm testing it out. I mean, what I think is cool, Rob, is like, I always wanted to have a driver. You know my feeling on drivers, but I probably couldn't hire full-time. Uber, I, I tested it out. I actually saw you driving you just see me driving, once, right? Yeah, I, was, yeah. I was in shock. Was shocked. I was trying to like, ask you for your license. But my whole thing is test, not guess. We're just testing this out for a few months. If it adds some sort of payroll problem, we'll just uh, unwind it. But my sense is it's going to help us. Yeah, and I think you have to look at this. This is not just like a discreet thing. This, this is part of the bigger picture. So as you know, a few minutes ago, we're talking about asking people to use their dental insurance essentially as a coupon, right. you know, to come to you for the experience, even though it may cost them a few bucks. This, you know, the wedding analogy is a great one, but then it's also similar to, you know, when you go to a restaurant and it may be an expensive restaurant, 
you know, even within reason, even though it's more expensive, if the experience in the meal is good, you don't really focus on the expense of it. You think about the fact that they delivered a really excellent product. And yeah, maybe it was a little pricey, but it's really hard to knock somebody that delivers an excellent product product at you know, how you even feel if it's when expensive. you're in a place right so if you're yeah. going to go and say hey we might be asking these people to pay a little extra money well then the experience needs sure. to be better and if the experience needs to be that much better then you have to develop and bring the people and have sort of the you know the cast so to speak right. to allow that to happen and if that means bringing on extra people or outsourcing certain discrete aspects of the admin right. tasks so that the people that are there, or the boots on the ground that are really creating that experience, have the ability to relate to the patients and, and really interact in a yeah. way that people say, wow, I went to the dentist. I don't like going to the dentist, but that was good. I, I felt like I it's felt- It's such a good point. A good, also, good people just like, you know, I'm a big customer service. And I listen to a great Danny Meyer podcast. I'm a big fan of Steven Starr. When you go to a place like an Elvez or Budokan, you're like, they have so many people working here, but it's for a reason, because they want the guest experience to be so great, right? So then you go to a, like a great- BYO restaurant with great food, and they got like three people working there for whatever reason. And then right. you, the food's great, but the experience is a problem. Right. So in dentistry, I don't know if there's a shocker, not many people want to be there, right? So we really need to focus on making the experience as streamlined as possible. And then also the pandemic, dentists answer so many questions. It's just up to questions, right? Whether it's from insurance, whether it's safety protocols. We had somebody storm out because of vaccine things the other day, right? We're just trying our best. And this creates a lot of energy that's just flat out exhausting. So if you can have somebody whose job it is to do this, you know, it's also just a morale boost for your team. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, um, I encourage dentists and people you work with to, there's so many great technologies from online. I mean, many of these are sponsors of what I do, but you know, online spot, online scheduling, remote team members. Uh, one of the things my, my office manager, and I just want to say this for your clients and listeners. So we outsourced all our insurance billing. And when I did this, my office manager was not happy because Right. When you tell the grandmother, you're going to serve her stuff. Oh, I can serve it. But she's clearly busy making other stuff. She said to me the other day, that was the best decision we've ever made. Yeah. Because we pay 3% to have somebody do all of our insurance building. It's worth it. I would pay double the percentage. Right. Don't, don't, don't tell the vendor. Yeah, that. yeah. I won't tell the vendor that. Right. But but I just think it's a great test time for businesses to just see what fits into their model. Yeah. Yeah. And this is it. And it's an opportunity to to change. You know, that you know the, the, the silver lining. There's another, you know. Yeah. So this is a phrase that I'm, I'm sick of hearing, but I'll uh, use it anyway, is that this is the opportunity to, to, to take a step back and rethink and recreate what you have. And there's an expectation that you're going to. And, I, you know, and I, how, I, how often in, in your practice of dentistry, Paul, have you had the opportunity just to say, hey, right? let's figure out what we want to do and kind of start over a little bit. You can reinvent yourself, if you use a phrase. And I, we were down the shore and there's an ice cream place. I think there's a great system. They take the kids for it. It's like seeing ice cream parlor's great. So they charge $5 to reserve your spot. And I thought that was a great system because if you don't show up, you lose the five bucks. So they never did that in the past, but now they probably have limited seats, limited COVID. And I thought that was a good, I, it's kind of like dentists taking less insurance. You're kind of redefining your relationship with yeah. people and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and look, sometimes it takes courage to do that and you have right. to have confidence. And one of my, my, uh, sort of regular podcasts uh, is the uh, the Rich Roll Show. And he had so Daniel Moon, who's the uh, 11 Madison chef yeah. owner. Who, I love that. Listen you to know, that. went to, oh, you know, it was a three-star Michelin restaurant that a few years ago was the, uh, the number one ranked restaurant in the world. And he came out of COVID and went entirely plant-based. That's my favorite, that's my favorite story of the pandemic. It's amazing, all. right? And, and, he, know, and so he was going to test it. 
and you was and he was anxious and it turned out they now have a longer waiting list right so good test yeah i mean sometimes you have to kind of get past your own michigan right right yes. to, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, to my grandparents would like that. Right? I they said that a lot that, in the Paul, beginning. Hey, my dad's parents, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, you know, and 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 that you know, I think it's just that mindset where I have to do things the way I've always done them. Uh, you have to be aware of when you're doing that. Sometimes you don't have a choice, but when you are making decisions because it's the way you've always done it, you should probably just set a little alarm for yourself and like, ding, ding. Right why am I doing this the way I've always done it? And is that the right thing? Or is it just because it's convenient or it's more comfortable? Sure. And if you're truly going to improve, very few people improve by just kind of just that repeating the same story because I listened to him on um, how I built this and the Daniel Moon said, I realized people weren't coming to me for Asabuco. They're coming to me for an experience. Mm -hmm. So that is what he wanted to test that they weren't saying that they wanted the most perfect piece of filet. They wanted an experience from him. And then he was right, just like with dentistry. They Hopefully they're coming to our office, not because we're better or worse for an experience with us, not because of their spoiled guac PPO insurance. Right. And if it and it's okay for not everyone to be your customer. Raving right. fans, raving fans, great book. You mm -hmm. know, I think dentists get really just drive them, I, I really drive themselves nacho nuts and miserable trying to be everything to everybody. Yeah, well, you've always said, I love the, <laughs> you know, the the analogy. It's like trying to run, you know, a Taco Bell, right, Chipotle, yes. and an Elvez, our high-end Mexican restaurant in the town. You, you know, you yeah. can't, you can't go to Elvez and say, I'm going to go out back and have the taco. Bar, right. You know, yes. or yeah, yeah. can I sit in the room? They're not even open at 2 a.m. Elvez. Or maybe they were, yeah. Like, but you want to, and it's not even a judgment on any of those business models. It's just a, it's just highlighting that they're actual business models right. with, that are focused. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't work to run three in you know, the same place. Um, so let's shift uh, a little bit to some transition themes, Paul. Um, you know, I, I will say, you know, at the outset, some of the, the doom and gloom that I, I, I forecast could happen early on and the sort of dystopia in the, yeah, right. in the dental market where it, it switched back to a, a buyer's market uh, has not really happened, you know, and thankfully. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've seen, I think, more of a liquid market than ever. Uh, you know, most DSOs have done very well through COVID. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that dentistry, while it was shut down in most places for a limited period of yeah. time, certainly wasn't as bad as other businesses in the economy, gyms and salons and, and other places. But yeah, I mean, I, I want to say, because I'm, you know, people call me JBN, just me asking, but I'm really more JB Real. Like when I talk about this 20 years from now, our dental office was shut down for eight weeks. It wasn't the end of the world. Meaning right. like it, it, it was not as dramatic to the dental business. I mean, the world, yes. The different things, yes. I'm just talking like now we're talking about this transitions theme. Mm -hmm. Pennington Dental, if you wanted to buy it, sell it, do something, it was on breaks. People have taken four-week vacations to France, right? So I'm just saying <laughs> that, you know, yeah. while it was against our will, it was still an eight-week shut down. So it wasn't. There was yeah. a time, though, that we didn't know if it was only oh, going of course, to be right. yes. eight weeks. I remember so we, we had... Uh, Linda Harvey on our yes, show, and, sure. and we walked out of that show, and we were talking about you know what was going to happen yes. in two weeks when all this stuff got lifted. For and sure. if you remember, Paul, yes. I said this is not going to be two weeks, you know, and and so at that time though nobody knew where the end yeah, was for sure. this, you know, for, for sure. certainly for for dentists. Um, but um, so, what are some of the things that you're seeing as uh, in the transition market as from from the broker side? Well, a couple of things. If I give some some transition things, we can go back and forth, and I just maybe this will be helpful if we're making like a, a a list. Dentists think selling their practice way easier than it is. So I think some of these dentists have been sitting there, 
thinking I'm going to sell my practice one day. And then they call up Paul, the broker, right? They might not even know me as the nacho guy and say, I want to sell my practice. Like it's kind of like doing a garage sale. And so I think one of the things that has happened is there's been an uptick in interest in selling practices without an understanding of the complexity of selling a dental practice and who can buy it and profitability. So I think, you know, one of the things I've noticed is a lot of interested dentists selling that came out of the, you know, proverbial woodwork to use cliches mm -hmm. that wound up not even listing once they understood mm -hmm. the challenge of like, yeah, I'll figure out this COVID thing. Right? right. And then, but then I also think that there's been smaller practices that it was the time for them to merge or do a chart sale. And there's been some good outcomes. So those are two trends I noticed. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think we're also seeing, uh, and we sort of talk about this a lot with clients that are in what we used to consider to be more remote areas. And I think some of them have, have you know, continued to be a challenge in those remote areas. But in other, uh, in other examples, uh, remote areas in some respects have become more desirable yeah. through COVID. And so if you're in a remote area that may be more resort-like, uh, there are certainly more people that are migrating there. And yep, we've sure. seen a lot of people move. You know, we've, people say like, you know, they're in some places you wouldn't expect them to move from. I mean, obviously moving out of the Northeast to places like right. Florida and Texas and Arizona, we see that. We've always seen that, but we've seen it a little bit more. But then to talk to people that lived in Colorado that said like, you know, Colorado really wasn't doing them for them anymore. Now they're going to Tennessee. Yeah. You know, like, so, you know, we were very, uh, it's a very more like more transition uh, and more migration around the country. And people are ending up going to places that they may not have otherwise gone yeah, to. I mean, it kind of goes back to the thing I said, that's why keeping multiple licenses as a dentist, I mean, I know you could do this as an attorney, maybe it's a little yeah. easier for attorneys. It's so important. No, it's not. It's a huge yeah. pain in the so, neck. Yeah, you've had to fly and do stuff, but that's why it's so critical so that you can be agile enough to make these businesses, whether it's an associate. I think I think there's been a also a movement that I've sensed in the dental nacho verse of like seasoned dentist who would be willing to sell their practice, not necessarily retire, but keep working without the responsibility. I always called it going from, you know, the parent to the grandparent, right? right. And I think to a lot of dentists that was very, and we've talked about this, you know, it's a, it's a very emotional decision, right? It's like, I'm gonna hang up the handpiece. I'm like, well, you know, you can sell and still use the handpiece if you want, right? right. So I think there's been, in a, in a positive way, a, a discussion about different ways to still dentist without being a practice owner. Also a huge increase in what does it look like to sell to a corporate group? Mm, I've yeah. seen corporate groups, you know, you, you've been a, such a good, but like first I thought, you know, you just sold your practice, saved for three years, 100% sale, stay for three years, right off into the sunset on a horse, right? Of course the horse shows up, right? But now right. you see, you could sell 50% of your practice, you could sell 80% of your practice, you can be involved, you know? And so there's just been, I guess, if you, I guess in a positive way, creative ways to transition to the next step of your career. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we've seen really even further proliferation by DSOs and, and corporate owners. I, uh, I think the thing that I would share is, is that buying a dental practice is the biggest decision of your life. So I think it's fair to understand that the people who were, who were in making that decision, much like the ones maybe having their first child during this time, it's, it's fair to think that there might be pausing or waiting because the world was so unstable. Right. So sometimes if someone will list their practice and say, why don't I have like eight people? I said, well, two years ago, you probably would. But right now, one of them's husband might get moved to San Francisco, right? One of them's wife lost her job, right? So I think some of the readiness of buyers, it's coming back, I see this, but there was this sort of um, 
people were kind of distracted with, I think, survival to say, hey, I'm going to go and buy this practice. I mean, what have you seen with yeah. banks, actually? Well, we talk about that first. Be, but yeah. yeah, before you talk about banks, I mean, I, I think it depends where you are in the country. Yeah. I mean, we have people in different markets of the country in, you know, the Austin, uh, Houston, San Antonio, uh, South Florida, Central Florida, uh, Arizona, some yeah. of these places that there are the, the competition for practices is, is greater right. than we've ever seen. So what the market looks like in those places yeah. is very Mine's different more than the Northeast, yeah, yeah, you know? And, sure. and so this is really the impact of just, you know, COVID and governmental response to COVID and just sort of the psychology of the people yeah. that live in these places that those places have weathered better, yeah, uh, true. you know, than, uh, than they have in, in our immediate market here. So, which we're thankful that we have people around the country, it, 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 but there's like, there's, there are areas like in Austin, Texas, I, I wonder when that's going to end. I mean, it is insane. I don't know if now's the time to say it, but I'm my favorite play Hamilton. You've heard me say this, right? So it's on Disney plus thanks Disney plus thanks Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's, he's the best. Uh, so we watched Hamilton many times, right? Over right. this time. So it's all the States things, right? So without picking the state, like I went to a state over this time and they're like, what's COVID? We never heard of it. Like that was the vibe, right? Yeah. Then I go back to my state and mm -hmm. it's like people have a mask while wearing a mask while putting on their mask. Sure. So it kind of goes back to this Hamilton world where in some way we haven't made much progress in the way states interact in some way since that time. I'm not really that knowledgeable about that, but you're right. I mean, regionally has a very different momentum for dental practice transitions. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and everything in the economy in those places, but, you know, obviously we're, we're focused in the dental, in the dental space. And it's, it's been interesting. I like a lot of times when I'll see people comment about what COVID means to them. And I, I look to see what part of the country they're in, and I'm like, you don't, you know, right. somebody that's in, in Tampa is not, did not have the same experience the last year that somebody that was in, in Manhattan or in Philadelphia or in Boston or in Los Angeles, you know, and, and it looks different in Oklahoma City than it does in Houston. And so it's very, where you are is, is And is I think greatly Brett Gilbert, different. one of our podcast guests, I'm so thankful you introduced me to him. When we were doing a, a podcast, he talked about how we should just give a little more grace to each other. So it's just my time to say like, it would just be better if people were a little more curious instead of so conflict oriented about all of this, right? Where it's like, we're kind of having this, you know, people are saying like, why there's so many practices in Arizona you can buy, not New York City? Because there's things that happen in both of those states that were out of everyone's control, right? Yeah, and yeah. and you, you know, you can't just show up and say, well, I want it to be this way. So while this is like, you know, such a, it's very controversial, another C word, but you know, like I think he, he said that early, like we should try, strive to be curious and give grace to each other because yeah. people have different experiences than us. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's very, a very stoic way to, to look right. at things. I mean, these are things that you can't control. So, you know, I, I sort of, you know, sometimes I find myself guilty of, of, of getting upset or agitated about things like that. And then I realize I'm like, I, I can't change I mean, you it. Know so my why, dental, why yeah. am I worried about it? And, and I think to your point, you know, if you just, if you look at this and say, don't get angry with the fact that some of these places are more popular or there's greater demand, try to understand, understand that it happens, perceive it, observe it, think about what that means to you and your practice and your life and then, and then move on, yeah. you know, I mean, sort of that, that negative energy and that dark energy that you spend obsessing right. over that stuff is, you know, whatever so, you, whatever you obsess over, I will tell you, is not, it's not in your best it's, interest. It's such a good point. Cause I want, you know, I have an odd couple, I think, you know, him on our Facebook group, he, we pretty much disagree about everything. He came to Philly once, but we're friends. Right. Mm -hmm. But at one point I said to him, like, do you want me to break into Elvez and make my own meal to him? Right. Like, I'm like, that wasn't an option for me. Right. Yeah. Like, why can't I eat in a restaurant? None of them are open. What do you, do you recommend? I just go into Budokan and start making my own pad thai. So, I mean, I just think it's like, there was just a lot of 
um, restrictions that you just they don't ask you about, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, no one's asked me to change the speed limit once, yeah. right? Yeah. People are kind of pretending that that was like it. Like when there's a speed limit sign, they've never been like, hey, Paul Goodman, what do you think about it, right? I just right. react to it. Yeah. And yeah, you can elect officials, but I just think it was a good experience for Dennis because they're used to just kind of living in their own bubble. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we can take that as a, a, a learning lesson from it. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I think, you know, one of our uh, episodes with, with David Phelps. And I can't remember if it was when we were recording or before yeah. or after, you know, I was just talking about, you know, you just can't change certain things and, you know, you should just adopt, you know, right. what you're, uh, move on or, you know, make, make changes as a result and don't just like, when I go to the summer drop, I don't get mad. I just go, where's your one good restaurant? Can we go there to that one good restaurant? Or does it close open past 8 PM? No, I'm just, 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 just rubbing it a little bit. Yeah. Is that like a suburban crack <laughs> yeah, 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 it's a bit. Yeah, yeah, Come yeah. Come on, man. Wait, hold on. I got to get there for the urban special 3 PM. <laughs> Right. I'm technically still within the city limits, Paul. Uh, so uh, let's roll into our, our third uh, topic and last topic for the day. It's just uh, associate agreements and really trends that we're seeing in associate yeah. agreements through, I guess, as we roll through COVID. And uh, there's a couple of things that have really kind of jumped out at, at us as, as a group here in my firm. And um, we see so many employment agreements you know, from both sides, yeah. whether they're part of a deal or we have an associate agreement review or uh, we see them in different contexts and literally hundreds a year. So uh, I think we're we're lucky in that sense that we kind of we have enough of a sample that we yeah. could say, hey, the world is shifting like that. And one of the things that we've seen and I guess it shouldn't be surprising is just uh, provisions in associate agreements with guaranteed terms where the associate is not able to terminate without cause. So where it might be a one, two, three, five year contract where the associate has no right to terminate without cause, which means, hey, I don't wanna work here anymore. I wanna go buy a practice. I wanna do a startup. Most of those instances- So if they do that, there's a pun punitive part if they yeah. believe that. And I mean, sometimes it can be what's known as liquidated damages, which may say for every day less, then you're supposed to work, you have to pay us $1,000. Or you may just be at the mercy of the situation, which is, hey, I left early and the practice is able to sue them or threaten to sue them for breach of contract and try to collect whatever damages they claim they've suffered, whether that's, you know, they could say that there's lost business yeah. or they had to pay uh, a headhunter uh, to, to help find a replacement. But it's not a good place to be as, as an associate. What's caused that people, so in that scenario, just for, you know, if we have de young dentists listening or practice owners, they're saying they can't leave without cause. What's usually cause for leaving a job where you wouldn't have that triggered as a, a punitive thing? Uh, for cause for the employee, for the associate dentist, is really that the, the practice has breached the contract. Either they're not paying what they were supposed to pay, they're not providing whatever gotcha. hours. But even that oftentimes can be subjective. Right. You know, if you say, hey, you're supposed to provide certain, you know, uh, support for me and you don't have, you haven't had an assistant for right. or a hygienist for the last six months, that, that may be a tricky thing to claim that that rises to a breach of a contract. Now, really for two decades, Paul, I can tell you less than a handful of times did I have a situation, even in the rare instances where there were agreements that didn't have the ability right. for an associate to terminate without cause, rare instances where an employer actually pursue that against the employee or send the demand letter gotcha. or sick their lawyer it's on it. It's not worth it. Right, but now that's all changed. So kind of keeping with our, 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 our pandemic theme, it sounds like 
from what you're seeing is people are trying to lock down their employees and associates longer. Absolutely. Gotcha. Absolutely. And it really, it starts with big corporate, you know, where obviously they need dentists. Yeah. They need dentists more than owner operators need dentists right. because they aren't dentists. Right. So whereas in your yeah, practice, point. you may want to hire some additional dentists, but you're right. still a dentist, Paul, and, and you could still run Pennington it, Dental. I think what, just to repulsive, what I would like to point as a highlight and positivity is like, if you have an associate, then you don't have an associate. You just, if you're using a restaurant theme, you just can't see those tables, right? But you can still see your own tables. Right. But the DSO can't see any tables. Exactly. So it's, you know. Stakes are higher. Yeah. And, you know, and so we see that in those, in those agreements. Um, and, you know, people, as we remarked before we went on the air today, uh, if, if you're ever pulling your associate agreement, I'm going to say right. out of the filing cabinet, but really, you know, off your hard drive to look at it when you're looking to buy a practice or doing a startup to see what it says and what you can and can't do, you're way behind yeah, and the, and the I think, call. you know, just as a, as a, as just to highlight all the good work you guys do, you know, we say, if, if you're looking for a plunger and you need one, you don't know where it is. It's not a good situation. If you're looking <laughs> for a dental focused attorney, people are like, can I have a dental focused attorney look at this thing? I go, what happened? Like, I need it now. I go, well, they're not like on speed dial for right. everybody. So it kind of talks about being proactive and getting your documents looked at in a purposeful, to use your term way, because, you know, yeah, before you sign, you, them. you know, because yeah. you, you're basically, you've said this, I always remember is that, um, and you must deal with it routinely. And I, being a broker, I see this too. P uh, people who start off unreasonable don't get more reasonable. Uh, for sure, <laughs> you know? absolutely. So, so if there's an unreasonable ask, like you know, if you were dating someone, they said, no matter what, we can't ever go out on Tuesday. It's a big red flag, right? <laughs> Even if they think Tuesday's their Pilates night, yeah. right? It's just such a, it's so uh, dramatic and restrictive that it's not indicative of a good long-term relationship. Yeah, and, and there's more of that sort of unreasonable behavior to come. And so the other way that we see this too, where people are trying to, or practices or corporate groups are trying to lock people down is just giving them equity or allowing them to buy into these practices in very small minority percentages. And I think a lot of times right. people confuse that with true practice ownership, you know, people being right. associates. And the reality is that's oftentimes you're just buying yourself a job. And from the, the, the DSO or the owner standpoint, they've guaranteed that they've got this associate right. who's never going to leave because they've essentially chained themselves right. to practice with this small interest that they've that they've bought into. And so I think sometimes people, I've had conversations recently where people are looking at buying a practice or buying in 10% interest in this big but one I always office, say, this corporate group. Like, I said, this is two different things, <laughs> yes. you know? I mean, it, it's like saying, you know, do you, do you want steak or lobster? Like, what do you, you know, like it's not. It also just goes back to that just tremendously simplistic example of a plate of nachos. If I say, I'm going to sell you 15% of all my plates of nachos. I still have 85%. I can make all the decisions on this plate. Yeah. And you say, I'm going to take my plate. So I could take your little tiny thing. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. You I mean, of course, I mean, this is your, you can't, then you, you can't even unilaterally sell it to somebody else, no, it's right? A mess. It's a whole yeah. thing. Hey, what's your exit strategy? <laughs> yeah. It's a totally different thing. When I see people evaluating both, like that is they're two so, so different things yeah. that I don't know how you can justify them. You know, do you like to go skiing on vacation or go to the beach? You know, right. like, and, and this is, uh, and I guess some people like both, but I mean. But no, but it, I think that like a lot of times the owners don't even, I mean, you, you're no more, this is a more sophisticated way, but in private practice, the owners don't even want that either. Sometimes like I'm going to sell 10% of my practice every year for five years. I say that really sounds like a, just a exhausting and stressful and annoying and risk-laden yeah. risk, risk plan for, sure. for both of you. Yeah. For both yeah. of you. What happens if they can't deliver? Yeah. And then let me say this, that as kind of goes along with those types of provisions that we're talking about in employment agreements with terms that you can't terminate without cause, and even some of these buy-in arrangements, just seeing 
more predatory contracts that yeah. we consider them to be because with the uh, proliferation of DSOs and corporate groups come the lawyers that represent yeah. those those people. And you know we see both types of lawyers and both types of yeah. styles in a deal. And it's important for people to recognize that when you are doing a deal or signing up for an associate agreement with one of these groups, it's more like Shark Tank right. than it is the normal dental right. you know, agreement, uh, whether it's an associate agreement or, or an asset purchase agreement. Those deals look very different from each other. Right. A lot of the reason is it's just being driven by the lawyers that represent the other side, who unlike you know, good dental lawyers that are doing lots of owner-operator deals who are trying to help ensure that there's a good transition right. where you're not trying to set the documents up so that there's a winner and a loser, right? right. So, so that you walk away and, you know, I hate this, but I'll say, you know, the win-win, but right. this is about the transition of goodwill and where the seller and the buyer both feel like there's a good harmonious relationship and the buyer is able to leverage the sellers right. saying that this is a good, good, good person that bought my practice and everything's nice and the staff still likes them. These other groups, for the most part, are looking to win the deal. Right. They're trying to win the relationship, whether it's an acquisition totally or, or an associate yeah. agreement. Like, they, what things can we do to put us, the practice, in the best position to succeed to the detriment of right, the Right, for sure. Dads? They just have totally different goals. I mean, we, we're, we're a small group, you know, my brother and I. And, we, you know, we're not a DSO. We're not a solo GP. But our our goals are more about surviving and you know doing this and, and you work start work corporate groups they have goals the associates never even know about right and right. you know they have things on their plate with business development that's three or four steps down the road so it's just a totally different world you're getting yourself into in every way yeah. from from a day-to-day -day standpoint from an operational right. standpoint from a clinical standpoint from a legal standpoint yeah. everything about it is different it may look similar to a patient who's going to a dental office but you know it's sort of once you walk behind the curtain Everything else sure. about it is different, and your approach to those different uh, different options has to be entirely different. You know, there's a, just a l different level of of scrutiny and sort of protection, and suspicion, and planning that has to go into the other one and because it, it's, it's it's not the I same. I think what you're saying is so important. I'm going to start a Dennis Job Connect TikTok account soon, which I'm going to model after the Daily Stoic, kind of your Ryan Halliday, right? Sure, so yeah. his his TikTok account is great. So it's it's not about dancing or lip syncing. That stuff can be fun too. It's about he, he has, it's not the lip syncing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes. it's Stoic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> Marcus but, Aurelius, you know, he like, gives, like yeah, a he rap gives, on TikTok. But to his credit and to this way things are delivered credit it's digestible pieces of stoic content through this tech account i'm going to do one for this dentist job connect and what you were just saying was i say how do you feel when you walk into your dental office whether you're the owner whether you're the associate so the best thing you can do is spend time in that dental office before you legally have to walk in there right before you own it or before you're an associate so my my advice is what you're saying is go to these places and see what it feels like before you sign up for it because you need to see it in action and you know just as simple as at a, a corporate place, you may never see the owner. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's a terrible thing, but like who's in charge here, right? Is it the right. office manager? Is it the lead dentist? Is the lead dentist still there? And you know, I think you just bring out so many good points about associate contracts for both owners and associates. They're so key to look into uh, pre-pandemic, that was important, but even more so now. Yeah, and, and we are seeing sort of the effects of people signing bad contracts yeah. now that people are transitioning there's more of a liquid job market that people are, are leaving and taking new jobs and now as they leave these jobs 
they're finding out what they what they agree to and there's certain things that we can do to help them and sometimes we can't because right. what you've signed you've signed and and you know it can be very difficult to put the genie back in the bottle so important paul it's good to see you amigo yeah great to be Glad back back in action uh we're gonna have some good guests coming up in uh in the next little bit and some more uh just paul and rob stuff and uh it's fun to be back yeah in looking the forward to it awesome be thanks, well. thanks everybody Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on thedentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.